1: The Nuggets Nation, where you'll find the most up-to-date
0: news, stories, and information about the Denver Nuggets and their organization. Brought to you by your host, Ethan Hinschul. Hey, what's up everyone? I recorded this episode with a colleague of mine on the Fans First Sports Network. He covers the Golden State Warriors, and the two of us collaborated on the trade deadline, and you're gonna hear all about it. So look forward to it.
1: I'm Patrick, and I am joined by Ethan Henschel of the Nuggets Nation podcast. What's up, Ethan?
0: Hey, Patrick. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here talk about some NBA trade trade deadline trades, and let's get down to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It uh, was relatively uneventful, pretty uneventful for your Nuggets and my Warriors, but uh, there were a couple moves. Made that might be pointing out. I want you to uh, get us started on that.
0: For sure. So, obviously, one of the teams that Denver is going to be competing with this year in the playoffs is going to be the Thunder. uh The Thunder added Gordon Hayward. I believe they sent out Trey Mann, another player, in two second round picks for him. So, Gordon Hayward is really interesting piece, in my opinion. I briefly mentioned him in a few episodes back of mine about how he potentially might be a target, but then I realized that. Even if he was bought out, his salary was too high for the Nuggets to acquire because they are in a certain luxury tax area. But for the Thunder, who are a young team, I think he can bring some good veteran experience. He has played in the playoffs with Utah, and he's got good coaching. He's played under good coaches. Brad Stevens particularly stands out to me, and he knows how to fit into a system. And and he's not a player who's going to demand too much. And I think for a team that's young and and up-and-coming, I think he can help mentor some of their Right up-and-coming guys like Jalen Williams and Shea Gillis, who's already an MVP contention this year. So to me as a Nuggets fan, it's a move that obviously for sure moves the needle and makes the Thunder a more scary team, and they're already a really, really good team, to be honest. So I think this really makes them a complete team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that was one of the things that the uh, Thunder, they were missing, obviously, is like some – some uh experience and veteran leadership playoff experience and whatnot. Um, we'll see if uh by the end of the season by come playoff time, uh Gordon Hayward is still uh in uniform. If he's not not in street clothes <laughs> or something. But even even uh, if he isn't, just having him on the bench will be helpful. I gotta say, from like a Warriors fans perspective, considering that even though things are looking a little bit uh more positive, um, they're still in eleventh. Place as we speak uh 23 and 25 so it's kind of funny because just when i think about like okay you know like just for fun what this warriors team could do it's like ideal scenario they sneak in to the uh, top of the play-in when one game get okc or minnesota uh some team that is very young and very playoff inexperienced and see if they can get them shook uh and in this case for the uh, for the thunder like you know, it helps in that respect. I mean, I know what the what I'm talking is is uh, maybe pie in the sky at this point, but <laughs> it's a long season, and uh, uh, I just want to be entertained at this point. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, that's good for them. Uh, Gordon Hayward is somebody that you know. I was talking to uh, a fellow podcaster on the Fans First Sports Network here, uh, the the Hornets podcast, and uh, I, it was maybe about a month ago, and I was like. Uh, maybe I would do Wiggins for, for Hayward. You know what I mean? Uh, not exactly the best fit, but considering Wiggins is playing a little bit better now, I, I just didn't think that the Warriors were going to do uh, much of anything. What else did you see that, you, that caught your eye?
0: For sure. Something I do want to touch back on that you said that I thought is rather noteworthy is you talked about how if the Warriors could sneak into the playoffs and get a young team like OKC or Minnesota – you think it could be like a Lakers Grizzlies matchup, like last year in the first round, where the Lakers upset them with LeBron and 80 being two veteran championship proven players?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, it's not like uh, Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert are, you know, rookies or anything like that. <laughs> but neither of them have had success in the playoffs. And that's one thing that, as a Warriors fan, I mean, your Nuggets won a title. Uh, but as a Warriors fan who has seen this te- team win four uh, four titles, it's like you just think to yourself, they just need to win 16 games, and you know as well as I do, it's about matchups, it's about health, it's about peaking at the right time. So if they can get there, you know, all the stars, planets, whatever would have to align for the Warriors. Uh, and again, I'm just hoping to be entertained. But if they can get, you know, OKC, OKC, maybe can falter in some of those tighter moments. Uh, Maybe Chet misses some, some clutch free throws or something like that. And uh, you know, that's uh, to me, like that's the path forward and the the Lakers Grizzlies uh, comparison. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like there's, there's tricks that the uh, Warriors could pull Um, psychological tricks. uh, Draymond did it to, uh, to the Celtics, you know, to Jason Tatum in the finals. I mean, uh but you know, I got opinions on Jason Tatum, but hey, you know, uh maybe that would uh be something that they could do to uh one of these one of these uh raw teams, if you totally. want to call it that.
0: Totally, yeah. totally. But yeah, circling back, I just not a ton of trades today, at least in the Western Conference. To briefly just obviously the Knicks made a I'd say one of the bigger moves today. They acquired uh Bojan Bogdanovich from the Detroit Pistons and the Knicks probably, I'd say, are the biggest winners of the trade deadline, probably. They got OG Ananobi, who's looked incredible, previous getting injured a few games ago, and the addition of Alec Burks and Bojan Bogdanovic. I think their starting lineup's good. Obviously, Tom Thibodeau does not have the best record in the playoffs, so that is going to be wait and see. But I do think the Knicks could push, potentially, to make the Eastern Conference Finals in the East, especially with MB being highly questionable to even return this season. I think the East is kind of wide open with obviously Boston at the top, but Milwaukee's defense has been inconsistent. They were just in Denver the other night and they got off to an incredible start against Denver that night. It was Doc Rivers' first game actually coaching Milwaukee and they came out guns blazing, Um, but Denver just being Denver, they slowed the pace down for the game. Jokic, Murray, just pick and roll, pick and roll. You know, As the game got closer, fourth quarter, the defense that Milwaukee played, they just couldn't stop the pick and roll, whether it was Dame, Malik Beasley trying to guard Jamal Murray or whoever they were switching on to Jokic, whether it was Giannis or Brooke Lopez, it frankly didn't matter. And to me, as a Nuggets fan, though they didn't do much today at the deadline, I know they acquired cash for a second-round pick that they had last year for draft rights. Um, I think as a Nuggets fan we should be in a content spot. To be honest, our health is good, you know, knock on wood. KCP is nursing a bit of a hamstring injury. But beyond that, our start- our most important starters in Jokic and Murray are healthy. And as we enter the All-Star break, we're in a really good spot. They're 35-16. and 16. We're tied for first in the Western Conference. They got a big game tonight against the Lakers. So... That's exciting uh, as Kobe Bryant's statue is going to be unveiled today. As I think NBA, any, any NBA fan should be looking forward to that and just honoring his life is super important as just we continue his legacy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me ask you, like, because I don't follow the Nuggets uh, that closely. Um, I do, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan of uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, how can you not be? <laughs> um, what do you see? So they're, like you said, they're 35 and 16 tied for first with uh, OKC and Minnesota, which is crazy, man. Yeah, (laughs) crazy. Crazy. Um, Like, did you expect them to make any moves, uh, any bigger moves? And did you want them to? Like, were fans clamoring for a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that? Or was it like, you know, we're good. We got healthy guys. Our main, like you said, main two guys are healthy. Like, let's just stand pat.
0: I mean... It's a tough question. I think there's a few answers and I can kind of give into them. But first I'd say like, I don't want to compare the Nuggets to the Warriors because it's too early to do that. And I don't think that's the right comparison. But I think in terms of structure, we're led by a really good head coach in Michael Malone. You got a superstar in Nikola Jokic. You got a compliment All-Star. I know he's not an All-Star, but in my opinion, Jamal Murray is more than worthy of being an All-Star. And he plays at an All-Star caliber level when it comes, when the games matter, he is a top 20 top 30 player in the league at the end of the day and when you got those two guys and then the complimentary complimentary pieces around them and Aaron Gordon Michael Porter and KCP I think you have the best starting five in the NBA and Christian Braun um, who's a second year guy now he played a big role for the Nuggets as a rookie in the NBA finals last year and he has not had the best season so far the past two three weeks he's been playing better so I think that's encouraging as we move into the latter part of the season but a guy who I've been talking a lot about in my podcast recently is Peyton Watson and I know he got snubbed for the rising all-star game he's also a second year guy he got drafted out of UCLA last year in 2022 was part of the championship winning team last year he didn't really see many minutes he was kind of at the back end of the rotation because for those who don't remember the Nuggets had uh, Jeff Green and Bruce Brown who we lost this offseason so those are two big key departures and Peyton Watson has really taken the role of Bruce and Jeff. So Peyton's really ex- excelled this season. He's become one of the NBA's best defenders. Opponents are shooting 41% from the field when he's guarding them, which is best mark in the NBA, I believe by five percentage points, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Um, So one guy I might've looked to acquire was Chris Dunn. He's on the Utah Jazz, and that's a tough trade because inherently the Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets are rivals. So... It's a tough trade, but he was making like 2.5, 2.6 million dollars. And the Nuggets are in a tough spot with salary cap right now. So they couldn't really take in much without giving back out. And they don't really, we don't have really many contracts that are bad besides Zeke Naji, who signed a contract extension this past offseason that I'm comfortable trading because the Nuggets aren't going to touch the starting five. They're not going to trade Christian Brown or Peyton Watson. And then the other guys who play legit rotational minutes is Reggie Jackson. And he's a proven veteran backup point guard who brings a little offensive element to the bench. And I don't think that's worth trading when you got two second-year guys on your bench. And I think having a good veteran presence is important. And Chris Dunn, his play has been better this season in terms of his defense. And that was really my my goal in potentially acquiring Chris Dunn would be just to help the backcourt defense when Jamal is not playing to help Reggie. But and at the end of the day, the rotation is going to get shorter as the playoffs near and as once the playoffs start and the Nuggets are probably going to go seven, eight deep in the playoffs like they did last year. And Jamal and KCP are going to see probably 37, 38 plus minutes a night. So to me, is it disappointing the Nuggets that make a trade slightly? Is it, is it necessary that they didn't, is it going to hurt the team? No, I don't think it will. So I think it's a bit frustrating to not do anything when you win a championship and the off is a little bit mundane and dull, but I think they're in a good spot, and like I said earlier, the health is the most important part of this team. So the fact that we're healthy right now in this season, we're in a good spot.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Health is like I mean, what I've always said for the past several years is that all that, all that really matters in in terms of the Warriors, and this is applicable to any any team that has been there before, is uh, you want to make sure that uh, well, health. You want to get to the end of the season healthy you want to be peaking i said that before uh you want any new guys and young guys whether they be um you know new guys who are from other teams um or recent draftees or guys who just haven't played much you got to get them ready for the bright lights to see if they uh have the stones for the playoffs uh and then like the standings right like yeah you want to be high up in the standings but health is the most important thing especially if you've been there before. Because one thing that the Warriors have done, especially you see it when they won in 2022, it's like they came, I believe, I forgot already, it's like the fourth seed or something like that. Yeah, third or fourth. And the whole thing was like, you know, okay, just just get in, get as high as possible or whatever, and then then go from there. Because they knew that, you know, they had this streak of beating a team on the road in every playoff series. So... That's something that they could lean on, and again, as <laughs> Warriors fans who believe in this team, it's it's you know sometimes it turns from real fuel to fumes. Uh, but until they get like shut down, you're like, okay, maybe they got a chance. Maybe they got a chance. Uh, let me ask you, uh, what is from afar? You know, I don't expect you to know the details of the the Warriors roster. What do you think uh, the Warriors? issue is from 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 an outsider's perspective totally. and i actually the do weeds. like
0: to follow the warriors i've my dad is actually a big warriors fan he's a huge steph oh, curry guy so as his son and you know as a loving son i've always indirectly <laughs> supported the warriors i don't support him anymore but <laughs> i used to back in the day and so i do kind of know the roster but to me i think the warriors got like one of the biggest players that stood out to me this season beyond top dogs like Steph Curry is jonathan kaminga i think his rise to being a star i think is a rightful terminology to say upon him he's a star in the league and i don't think he's getting the credit that he deserves uh his rise has affected the warrior season because i think there's been some talks especially when draymond got suspended for that i don't know eight seven game window whatever it was uh that uh he started in like 12 12 games 12 12 12 games (laughs) like that yeah it was a long time he's missed like 20 games overall (laughs) that's crazy um but so when he started in his place i thought he played really well i think his defense to me is what stands out for such a young guy is what it's his third year in the league yeah third year in the league developmentally i think his defense is advanced for his age and to me that stands out because a guy's offense you can teach and you can You can work on your shot and your dribbling and your passing, but defense. I feel like it's something you either got or you don't. And he's strong. He moves his feet well. I think from watching the games, you probably watch more than I do. But he can switch on to almost like the three through five pretty easily. And I'd even say one through five, maybe. Um, depends the how shifty the guard is. But I think he can guard him really well. He's a super athletic player. He's young. I think he's got a lot of potential. And I think he's. Someone the Warriors should look to build around when the time comes that Steph and Clay are not around anymore on that team. But to answer your question, I just think it's been inconsistent play from Klay Thompson and Draymond being out so much, and Andrew Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson. I'd say are the two culprits for the Warriors' like demise this season. They're not playing well. I think it's a I think it's an easy statement to say that they've each taken a massive step down from where they were last season. Um, and even 2022, when they won the chip, uh, Andrew Wiggins played a huge part in that championship. He was such a great two-way player, guarding Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in the finals. Uh, he proved huge dividends to you, and that trade paid off, obviously. I don't think any Warriors fan could regret that trade. It brought you a championship. Uh, but I would say those two guys are the main reasons probably why you have suffered beyond Draymond just being out so consistently this year. And injuries, Chris Paul being injured, it doesn't help. Um, and just uh, there's a lot to it. I, I think there's your bench is good. Like I talked about trying the nuggets. I wanted them to acquire Dario Saric. I thought he's a really good, big stretch four, stretch five backup shoots the ball. Well, his defense is solid, but good player. Um, It's like, you got good players. It's just, it's not consistent on a night to night basis that that would be my biggest takeaway.
1: Yeah. I think that's
0: pretty much right.
1: Honestly, like, uh, most teams that probably wouldn't want to see a healthy warriors team in the playoffs. Uh, I, I just don't, I just don't think it, uh, the three main culprits have been Draymond Wiggins and clay. And for various reasons, it's, it's, uh, it, like Draymond, obviously, uh, the suspensions and everything going back to the bad vibes of punching pool and ruining last season. And then kind of setting a tone to ruin this season. He's been good since coming back. Uh, You know, Pajemski got fouled hard. Got a flagrant two from Nick Claxton, and Draymond did not do anything. (laughs) He did not put Claxton in a headlock. He did not, like you know, yell at anybody. He he did, uh, you know, make a make a stink about like the the getting a flagrant two, but uh, he he held himself in check. Clay, unfortunately, uh, and I just put out an episode about this, talking about him um his his body is just you know he's old older and he just can't get to uh where he was before what's the saying the the mind is willing but the flesh is weak and <laughs> it's the opposite for wiggins because uh, i have said this several times uh, clay wants it so bad what he would give to be 28 29 and have no leg injuries uh which is actually he was 29 when he got the acl so Uh, That was a frustrating thing about Wiggins, and he's played well recently, but it's unfortunate because it seems like, oh, okay, so what did it take? Did it take trade rumors? Did it take Draymond to come back and and make it easier for you or to, like, get in your ear? Uh, But, you know, Wiggins, I don't know him, but he seems like a good dude, Uh, so it's not a personal thing, but it's like, man, it's his reputation. That's his reputation, right? Like, not very self-motivated in the sense that there's no fire lit uh, inside him (laughs) or whatever. Uh, So he's been playing well. And if he rides it out to the end of the season, you know, the Warriors problem is that they're small. uh, And that is something that has bitten them on the tail uh, so far this season, but uh, they just got to get there. They just got to get there and maybe they can find a team that can run off the court and maybe they get a fortuitous matchup uh and uh you know we'll see how it goes because they they jettisoned uh cory joseph one of my least favorite players in the league
0: <laughs> i saw that and
1: um but they they have they'll probably bring lester quinones when of their g-league guys onto the uh the, the permanent roster but then you have chris paul gary payton the second coming back to add to steph Pajemski, uh quinones clay so like they got a lot of guards you know totally. what i mean i know and so we'll see uh we'll see where where that all uh lies but you know totally the thing is like draymond ha- is on better behavior staying on the court wiggins is playing better the one thing is that clay he'll have flashes i think but like he's the one that cannot like physically do so far what he's done in the past and he- if he can't uh if he can't guard You know, he used to take Kyrie in the finals, right? If he can't guard those types, uh, that automatically puts your starting lineup and your closing lineup, if he's in it, in a bad spot. And if he's not hitting shots, you know, he's got to figure out something else. So, you know, the dude has to evolve, which was what I talked about um, just in the last thing I put out. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we'll see.
0: We'll see what happens. I have a question for you now. Yeah. Do you think when the Warriors drafted James Wiseman in 22, right? 20. 20? Pandemic year. Yeah, pandemic year. year. Do you think that was the move that kind of set them back?
1: No, no. I think a lot of people pile on Wiseman and for Myers for picking Wiseman and for Laker for picking Wiseman. Um, I mean, I was fine with Wiseman. Like, there was no consensus number one pick. Uh, I'm pretty sure Steve Kerr and the Warriors organization did not want LaMelo Ball because his dad was so annoying back then. I don't know if he's. Talks much now. Um, and then uh Anthony Edwards was gone. I would have been super happy with Anthony Edwards. But then Wiseman was there. I wanted Halliburton and Pat Williams. Those are my other two guys. Uh I didn't think that they would have the stones to take Halliburton second, and that's too bad.
0: (laughs) It's It's always easy to look back and judge, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like what, 10 other teams passed on, right? Yes. Um, so to me, the Wiseman pick was a necessity because they didn't know what they had left. Uh, Clay had just torn his Achilles earlier in the day, right? Yeah. And they needed somebody in the middle. And the thing that hurt Wiseman, I think, the most, um, is that he got hurt. He got hurt. He didn't. He played three games in college. He didn't get to work out or train with anybody. During 2020, the Warriors didn't get to work him out. He had an abbreviated training camp where he actually contracted COVID, and they just threw him out there. The Warriors didn't know how to develop a guy. And then everybody started saying he can't play with Steph. We, it's hard to play with Steph, and no one's patiently bringing him along. So once he hurts his meniscus, uh, you know, I, I always say that if he had come back a year – like. He was gone for a year and a half. He didn't play the year mm-hmm. they won the title. So if he came back, say, in 2021, 22, when they did win the title, when there's no expectations, when you have Bielitza, Otto Porter Jr., uh, Gary Payton II, picking up the slack, you know, and you just kind of blend in with Kaminga and Moody as the young guys, then you have a softer landing spot. But then what the Warriors did uh, was they went even further in on youth i i said you have three lottery picks man on your roster that's good enough you know (laughs) they should have probably gotten some vets instead of using two more picks on uh on in the draft and shore that up because then all of a sudden tremont punches pool everybody starts blaming wiseman for for losses the dude hasn't played you know yeah i don't disagree
0: i think i don't know like i honestly feel bad for wiseman i like i remember watching the few games he played at memphis and i thought it was the right pick in the moment to be real. It's easy to second guess, you know, we're what 2024, February 8th, you know, that was four years ago or a little less than four years ago now. So it's like, it's easy to second guess, you know, the nuggets were, they picked Zeke Najee, I think one pick in front of Tyrese Maxey, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's, it's easy to look back and be like, well, Tyrese Maxey was available and it's like, yeah, most teams want Tyrese Maxey and, but you got Jamal, so it's it's all about fit and need. And like you said, the Warriors didn't have a big man, so like why would the Nuggets once, like you said, why would they draft Tyrese Maxey when you got Jamal Murray, who's a rising point guard in the league? So it's easy to sit back, you know, as we do here years later and judge, but. I think the NBA has kind of to switch topics slightly has kind of transitioned from the Steph Curry young guard not young but guard centric players in Durant from those dynasty teams that you had to big men dominating the league and I think I don't think it's an abomination to say that the three best players in the league are Giannis Jokic and Embiid in whatever order you want to put them obviously I think Jokic is the best and following Embiid and Giannis but it's switched and i think if you if we look at the most dominant teams the past few seasons they're led by a dominant big man and specifically last year Denver Jokic it's in, virtually impossible to match up to Jokic muscle the nuggets i would say cuz like whatever you do he's got a, he's got a counter move and it's like you send a double he's 7 feet and he sees over it and he's going to he's also one of the best passers in the league you know so and then you got deadly three point shooters in KCP, MPJ and Jamal Murray it's Like, it's tough. It's really tough to guard the Nuggets. And, you know, Giannis is so dominant. And Joel Embiid is too. And I just think, like, The sky is so high for a player like Wemby, Victor Webanyama on the San Antonio Spurs, because he's seven, what, three, seven, four, and just big men are dominating the league right now. And I think that's partially why the Celtics have not kind of gotten over that hump, to be honest. Like, they lost last year in the Eastern Conference Finals to Miami, who lost to Denver. They lost to the Warriors in the Finals in 22. They went, I think they went to the Eastern Conference Finals in 21 and they're just like this year they got Porzingis. So I'm curious to see like how their season ends up. But even when uh, Denver played Boston a few weeks ago, which was a phenomenal game. I don't know if you watched that. Um, It was on ESPN a few Fridays ago. Um, The Boston, it was a really low scoring game. It was 102 to 100. Denver won on the road to actually Boston's first regular season home loss this season. And it was... It was a Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic show at the fourth quarter, just pick and rolling. And once Jokic gets into the elbow free throw line area and he's one on one, it's yeah, like you're not you're not stopping him, whether it's a shot, he's going to do a move around you, a dribble, a post up, a pass. He sees the floor so well, it it kind of reminds me of like LeBron's like Miami years and like his. not early, but his second return to Cleveland and just how good of a passer, I mean, he's still a tremendous player, but how good of a passer he was in those years and how much better he made his teammates. And I think that's what Nikola Jokic is. And to me, that's why he's the best player in the league is how much he elevates his teammates. I think that's what separates him between Giannis and Embiid is, you know, the other night when Jokic didn't play in OKC, And the Nuggets actually almost beat them on the road. Uh, But Jamal and Aaron Gordon were the leading scorers for the Nuggets. And they really struggled offensively that game. They, like, it was a lot of two point shots. Threes were not falling. Ball movement was not good on the offense. Pick and rolls were not like what they usually are because you're missing your seven foot, 240, 250 pound center. So. I think it's just tough also physically, you know, when you play at altitude, like we're at in Denver, come the playoffs, teams talk about struggling when playing at altitude. And I think just having a brutally physical team, like the Nuggets are like, they want to play, like they're one of the best teams in the paint with Aaron Gordon and Jokic that they want to physically dominate you. And we're not just going to shoot threes over, we can, but we want to physically dominate you. And that's the Nuggets philosophy is that like, yeah, you might, shoot some threes, but we're going to wear you out and come the fourth quarter, you're not going to be able to stop us. And I mean, it worked. They went 16 and four last year in the playoffs. So it works and they're one of the best records in the NBA this year. So that's kind of why I'm content as to why they didn't make moves because we got the best part in the world, you know? So, you know, you don't want to, it's almost as a fan and someone who covers a team via podcasting, it's easy to say, you know, you want to do this and you want to do that to try to help the team. But, When you got a team with such good chemistry like the Nuggets have, you don't want to mess with that also. And the coach knows that, the GM knows that, and, you know, obviously any trade that the Warriors do, you know, they're running through Steph Curry, and it's the same thing with the Nuggets, you know, they're running it through Jokic, and you got to make sure that whoever you bring in is going to fit into the culture, and at what, game 52 is tonight of the season? uh, there's 30 games left. So it's got to be a seamless fit. And that's that often gets overlooked. I would say at the trade deadline, a lot of guys just get shipped left and right. And you don't talk about the culture of how they fit into the team, into the organization. And obviously the offense runs through Jokic for Denver. So you got to be willing to be that second, third option. And you're not even going to be the second option because Jamal Murray's on the team. So you got to be willing to Take six shots a game because sometimes Jokic is going to put up 25 shots a game and Jamal is going to put up 20 shots a game and you're just not going to get that shot volume. And some guys just can't live with that role.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, when the Warriors are winning in the heart of their dynasty it's like very few moves were made at the uh, trade deadline. Like it was unheard of because it was like, no, we're good. We're good. You know, it's, we got who we got. And then you add on the fringes in the off season. And then if there's anything else at the end of the bench that you need, uh, maybe you pick somebody up or find somebody from the G league or whatever, but you just stand pat and you just try to stay healthy. I think fans, you know, <laughs> uh, sometimes they overestimate how easy it is to make a deal. Uh, they think it's as easy as trading like, you know, baseball cards or something <laughs> I like do. that. I agree. Uh, there's so much that goes into it. Uh, like, like you said, and there has to be a real, real immediacy, a real reason for it to happen because the off season is when stuff happens. And that's why I think the Warriors like, Hey, you know, like, let's, let's ride this out. Uh, there was, there were no major moves to be had and we'll see how the season plays out. And then we'll decide then do we re-sign Clay? Is he more willing to take, uh, you know, 25 or less a year? Um, and will he go to the bench? You know, we're not going to make that move now. And then Wiggins, does he play well enough to be worth sticking around? Do they see that a future with him and Kaminga side by side is feasible? Or do they hope his value goes up? He plays well enough, and then they move him and his final three years on his contract. I think they could move him, you know, because like Wiggins next to Kaminga, I always believe that could work. I always wanted to see the the Steph Clay Wiggins. Kaminga Draymond lineup I wanted that last season but we never got it really and now like we're getting it. I'm like, and people are like oh it works yeah it works you know because those guys can play together but the thing is like is that your future because then what happens to Draymond do you still stick him at center as he gets older uh do you put somebody else at the two spot so I think that you know the trade deadline I'll be honest. I didn't want Siakam. I didn't want OG Nobi not because of them, but because I know it would have cost Kaminga and other assets. It would have cost Moody, would have cost picks, would have cost like, you know, CP's expiring. You know what I mean? And I didn't want that. Like, I think, you know, a lot of people just see the, the shiny object to quote unquote help Steph now, but Hey, you know, the Warriors salary situation is terrible and you can't just start punting on all these young guys. Uh, I said this, if my listeners probably tired of hearing me say this, because like I hang my hat on, the day after Kaminga was drafted, I was like, he's easily the best player in the D'Angelo Russell-Andrew uh, Andrew Wiggins draft already in 2021. And uh me and my friend said he's going to be the world's best player in four years. That's beginning next season. Steph will probably still be the fulcrum, he'll still probably be their best player, because he's still there, as long as he can shoot, as long as he can stay in good shape and he's healthy, he'll be the best player, but Kaminga will be like two. He's already top three, and yeah. uh, for people to say like, "Oh, let's trade the house for uh, Siakam and the right to potentially pay him a max deal until he's in his mid 30s I was like, "Oh, you guys have no idea." What you're not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's totally. like let's, uh, uh, I agree let's, let's. Let's let's make this because uh, you know I get it, especially the fans who just know the the Steph era it's like I think they're kind of subconsciously scared about what happens after. They don't know what totally. to do. And to pile on Myers for some draft picks, you know, there was no consensus the Wiseman year. I think he did well in the uh, Kaminga-Moody picks. Um, I liked Kaminga more than I liked Wagner in the draft. Uh, who knows? We'll see how that plays out in the next five years. And then uh, Moody just hasn't gotten a shot. I wanted Trey Murphy. Uh but even Sanguine was somebody I was looking at, but I was like, "Oh, I don't think Steve Crow would play him," and he probably wouldn't have, because you know he would have probably questioned his conditioning and his and his uh, defense. Although his passing probably would have impressed him. Uh, but then the thing is about Myers, it's like he got Andre Godala back in the day when they couldn't get Dwight Howard. Uh, he made the trade uh, for uh, when we, for like D'Angelo Russell signed him and made all this stuff possible. So you know. People that pile on that they they just I mean it's social media. What are you going to do? You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> totally. He, he's a big reason why you got your twenty-two championship. Like when KD yeah. left, he, he could have just left. You got the sign and trade. Like that's a huge. If it wasn't for yeah. that, you don't get Wiggins. So
1: there's no Wiggins. There's no Kaminga. So you know, it, 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 is, uh, what it is so? Um, and I, what, I agree. I agree with you.
0: The grass is not always green around the other side.
1: Yeah, and for me, I'm just like appreciating. What the Warriors have and what they've had. And, and, uh, you know, I'm gonna be a fan when these guys are gone. So, like, I don't necessarily want to burn the house down <laughs> and all of a sudden be like, oh, wow, where's, uh, you know, start seeing if Monte Ellis wants to suit up again. You know what I mean? So, um, totally, you know, uh, so in terms of like the Nuggets, do you, um, I'm, I'm curious, like, is there anyone that you, fear out there in terms of a team. And also, who is somebody that like matches up as well as possible with with Jokic? Just curious
0: cuz, you know. That's a, that's a great question. Dude. I'll answer the first one first cuz let me think about yeah. the second one. Who scares me the most? Uh I mean, the West is so good this year. Uh I feel like we got a top tier pack, a middle tier pack and a lower tier pack, but in the top tier like I got to say the Clippers, probably. I know they always collapse in the playoffs, and I don't want to regret saying this now. <laughs> but uh, they got some proven superstars on their team and Kawhi, PG, Harden, Ross. Ross is obviously not a superstar anymore, but he's been arguably one of the best bench players this year. He's probably, I'd say, should get some six-man votes. If not, should win the sixth man award this year. They're led by a championship-winning coach in Ty Lue, if it's, if it's not this year, I don't know when it is for the Clippers, to be honest. And to me, they match up pretty well to the Nuggets because their starting lineup, obviously, their main three guys are Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George. And a healthy Zubac is not a good matchup against Jokic, but he's a big-sized player who can he can I mean he can't hold his own but he can do his best as one as one can do as best as one can do against Nicola. um and then whoever the Clippers want to trot out there I don't know their starting lineup super well but whoever is their fifth guy and I think it's tough because for the Nuggets in my mind KCP is a I I think he's a first team all NBA defender he's an incredible defender I thought he's guarded Steph Curry so well this season when they've played against him he's been in his face like crazy. So he'd probably guard Paul or not Paul, uh James Harden. And then Aaron Gordon's also an incredible defender. I think he'd probably get Paul George and Michael Porter Jr would get uh Kawhi or vice versa with Aaron Gordon. But I think the Clippers also would have some schematic issues matching up with the Nuggets defensively cuz Harden's not a good defender. Zubac is not a good defender. Whoever their fifth guy is isn't going to really do much and I wonder if if Kawhi would guard jamal murray sorry not paul george um i think that's a possibility Kawhi is an incredible defender he's a two-time defensive player of the year um and he is one of the best proven nba playoff superstars i would say in the nba and he shows up when it matters most so i think they're the team that scares me the most just their experience their willingness to do what needs to be done i think and i'm not here to underestimate minnesota or oklahoma but those teams are just a little young. And Minnesota, for sure, has the better chance than Oklahoma, I would say, because they did play in the playoffs last year and they did lose to Denver. But they are a good team and they were missing a piece that year. But to me, the Clippers are the scariest team. And then to answer the second part of your question, who is the best player to guard, Nikola Jokic? Uh jeez, oh, It's got to be like... Giannis maybe or someone like physically strong and athletic who can move I would say so like Giannis it's probably my best guess (laughs) that's fair that's fair yeah no I'm just curious because like that dude is uh
1: he's tough to beat I know when the Warriors won the title and you guys were down a couple dudes I think both Murray and Michael Porter Jr. were out um the uh, and the Warriors were actually peaking. That's that 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 was exactly they got Steph back after a month. Uh, I know Draymond was all over Jokic <laughs> you know, the way that Draymond uh, tends to be. But yeah, I mean, like you know, uh, it's it's funny because like thinking about the Nuggets, uh, obviously I see similarities to the Warriors, not just because they're a title team, but because uh, they have like a you know generational talent and the right guys around them it's not just like this flash in the pan thing i think that uh you know you mentioned the celtics before and uh i just you know my my personal things like i know tatum is an excellent scorer and player but i just don't think he's that guy i I just watching watch i didn't think it before the 2022 finals and i definitely didn't think it after i definitely didn't think it last year in the playoffs and that's just my opinion you know what i mean um yeah he can drop 50 in a in a playoff game but like when it really, really comes down to it, I don't think he's he's that dude. So, but, you know, we'll see. Totally. We'll see. I mean, you flip-flop the – the. you know, I, I also think the media and NBA and, you know, Bill Simmons, they like to really, really hype up. I mean, the Celtics are really, really good. I mean, the record – 100%. Up, they're probably the best
0: in the league this year. Uh,
1: But, like, you know – everybody's crowning these dudes for stuff they haven't done yet and and just like yo come on uh but you know they're they're still in their mid-20s the two Js, and they have a a long way to go and definitely a chance to to prove me wrong but every time like i'm like
0: please not the celtics i don't want them to win (laughs) yeah no totally i mean like according to vegas they are the betting favorites for the finals in denver is right behind them but they got all the talents in the world, you know, like it's, it, can they put it together when it matters most? And that's the question that we've yet to see answered. And I think that's yeah. a lot of the shit that Jokic was enduring last year before they won the finals was he can't win three straight MVPs, you know, he's yet to win a championship, you know? And like, obviously that narrative is completely out the window now, considering he's reigning yeah. champion and finals MVP. And he's probably, I'd say in line for his third MVP this year. Uh, it, I, championships 100 percent, do matter and i think they should count but i don't think you should discredit a player's talent just because they haven't gotten over that hump yet
1: yeah 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 i mean hey uh yeah flip flop uh uh oh you're talking about tatum yeah yeah okay yeah no i just I, i just don't think he's proven to me that he can he can uh be like that dude that dude you know what i mean but that's just
0: that's just me you yeah, know i guess uh, you and i see it different which is totally fine i i think he is that dude and he's young you know like it's Jokic won a championship and last year was his eighth season in the league so it, it takes time and greg popovich yeah. you know the goat literally i think said it the other day about how you know if it was so easy everyone would win in their first year because he was talking about victor webin development and i think it's actually really important not to talk about this, but just kind of bring this into the conversation that we're having because Greg Popovich, you know, the, I think he's the winningest coach of all time, if not right there. Um, and you know, he's had multiple dynasties throughout his tenure with the San Antonio Spurs, whether it was Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, then you got Kawhi and he's wanted, he's done it all. He's won it all. And for the first time in his coaching career, he's had a shitty fucking team. <laughs> and, uh, he's embracing it and I think he recognizes that there are stages to becoming a championship level team whether you win or not just becoming that echelon of a championship team it it doesn't happen overnight and a lot Mm. of people look to the Warriors when they got Kevin Durant and I don't think we're ever going to see that again a player like that is available to sign in free agency because so many guys get locked up now to just contract extensions before they even hit the open market and so I think that's as we look back and as we move forward i think we're going to look back and be like wow but to just finish what i was saying he was talking about how Victor Wembanyama is frustrated with the season and how it's gone so far and he referenced the Denver Nuggets and how Michael Malone has been there through the entire tenure of Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray's career in Denver and how they haven't Jamal Murray and Jokic haven't just got this good last season you know this this has been building for the past 6 7 years and a lot of that goes untalked about and unnoticed that in today's NBA where guys are traded and just signed left and right, and they don't play more than two years with the team, consistency and chemistry doesn't get developed. And to me, that's what makes Jokic and Murray the best duo in the league is because they have years of playing with each other under their belt. And to me, that's what makes me believe in the Nuggets over anyone else, to
1: be honest. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's totally fair. I mean, it definitely takes uh, a a while especially with two guys who weren't the number one picks you know what i mean who were like you know uh not expected to be these dudes per se when they got drafted i think the thing about uh tatum to me is that uh he's been coronated uh already uh by by a lot of folks and uh you know that's that's when like the the narrative around it and then the tide turns the other way, but again, 25, 26 years old. But we'll see uh we'll see how that all um plays out. Um any any other thoughts on the day or the season for the Nuggets. What's your prediction?
0: My prediction. <laughs> on, um on hopefully the, season obviously present today. Hopefully the Nuggets can get the win tonight in LA, but you know, bigger picture. Uh I mean, I, I believe the Nuggets can repeat as NBA champs, assuming the health stays good uh they got the pieces Peyton Watson and Christian Braun like I talked about their second year guys who are probably their sixth and seventh mans off the bench right now they are going to have to contribute and play as well as they're playing right now in the playoffs if they do not do that I don't see Denver doing it because Denver won last year because Bruce Brown and Jeff Green played an impactful role off the bench and I think you need I think the golden number in my head is like you need two guys to make an impact off the bench you can play an eight-man rotation but that third guy. His impact doesn't need to be tremendous. He just needs to spot some minutes to give the starter whoever he's replacing a rest and a breather. So it's not only just giving the starters a few minutes of breathers cuz obviously they're going to play super top heavy minutes, but you can't just suffer when when in the non Jokic minutes and It's tough because, like I said, he's the best player in the world. And it's whenever he comes off the floor, the team's going to suffer just inherently. But you can't, like, if we're up seven points, you can't, when he checks back in, the game can't be tied. Like, you got to still be up a possession at least. So to me, that's where the bench is going to be a big question mark. And can we hold the lead when Jokic comes out and Jamal Murray's stunting with the bench unit and even just another starter, whether it's Michael or Aaron Gordon playing? I think Nuggets can do it. Will they do it? This is a bigger question unknown. I think as we get later into the season, hopefully their legs stay fresh and it's a long season. They played into June last year and I, I believe they can do it deep down. I think they got the pieces. I think they got the right coach. They have the culture. And I think that's really important. The culture of the team. Everyone's super bought in. Jokic, Jokic could care less about winning his third MVP, to be honest. Obviously, does he want to win it? Yes, but that's not what he's striving in working towards he's working towards another ring this year and the team as a collective unit is too and i think that's why like jamal murray when he got snubbed for the all-star game did it bother him yes but at the end of the day he doesn't really care because you know we're focused on one central goal and that's to win and my prediction is i think denver clippers in the western conference finals and it probably will go seven and if denver can have home court i don't see them losing to any team
1: who would be your ideal finals matchup for the Nuggets? Like, not the team that you guys could beat the easiest per sure, se, sure. but like, uh, what, as a basketball
0: fan, like, what would you want to see? I mean, obviously, first thing that pops into my head is Sixers, you know, Embiid. Uh, so, um, in, well. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Big question mark. Yeah. Uh, I mean,. I talked about the other day on my podcast, just how disappointing it was that he didn't play. And I don't want a player to play through an injury. That's, I kind of went on a rant on my podcast. And I actually later elaborated about how I was not ranting about Embiid not playing. I was ranting about how the Sixers injury staff managed the injury and how he wasn't included Mm -hmm. on the injury report. That's what I was ranting about. And they got fined for it. So they were found guilty. But, you know, to me, a healthy Embiid. And I don't, even if he comes back this season, it's not the Embiid that we're going to see that we've seen. So my like Boston or Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee would be super cool cuz Giannis Jokic would be super cool, like two massive international superstars at the top stage going at it. Uh and I think it'd be it's it's just growing the game. You know, the amount of international stars we have in the league today is incredible and it's it's the new wave and i think it's super cool as a fan to you know our best player on the team is from serbia and there's not many other players in the league from serbia so i think it's super cool and his country is incredibly supportive of nicola and that'd be my matchup probably denver milwaukee or denver boston but whatever it is if the nuggets can be there i'm happy so
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i would pull for the the bucks because for one I don't want the Celtics, <laughs> but to, uh, I, I, I would want to see, uh, cause you said Giannis is, a uh, you know, a tough matchup. I would want to see that. And I would also want to see Dame in the finals. Um, just, you know, as a, as a dude from the Bay, totally. uh, I would love to see him on that stage and have uh, the opportunity to, To get a ring, because that's why he he moved. (laughs) That's why he that's why he left. They took Scoot Henderson. It's like I'm out. So if he could get that, then I think that is a uh, solid, solid, uh, uh, you know, solid outcome for for And
0: I think that'd be one of the better duo matchups in the league, like Dame and Giannis, versus Jamal and Jokic. To be honest, like point guard, center, power forward, however you want to call Giannis, like. I think that'd be a super cool, enticing matchup. They're probably, I'd say, two of the better duos in the league, if not the two best, probably. And yeah, I, I think it's a gauntlet, and we will see, but there's a lot of season left, so. Cool,
1: man, cool. Well, uh, thanks for coming on yeah, to absolutely. the podcast. Um, where can people find you?
0: Yes, people can find me on my Nuggets Nation handle on Twitter. It's Nuggets Nation and... Feel free to interact with me there, guys. I love to hear from everyone. And you can also find me on Apple, Spotify, and all other platforms if you just search for Nuggets Nation. And I'm doing a giveaway. I'm giving away a free Jokic jersey for my 500th subscriber. So subscribe, guys. Uh, on what,
1: what platform?
0: Everything. <laughs> Spotify, Apple. So whatever, what, however you subscribe and listen to podcasts, subscribe and that five hundred subscriber is going to win the Jokic jersey so i really want to give it away and if you win you just have to d de- <laughs> i will dm you and you tell me your size and i'll ship it out on my dime so
1: awesome well uh good to good to have you on if by some chance the warriors and nuggets meet in the postseason we will have to do this 100 100
0: percent. if you enjoyed listening to that episode make sure that you subscribe and stay tuned for my upcoming episode recapping the Los Angeles Lakers and the disappointing Sacramento Kings game. I will recap that episode on Saturday, and that will be out Sunday, the day of the Super Bowl. And then hopefully the Nuggets can close out their three game road trip against the Milwaukee Bucks with a win. But ideally they can do so, but if not, I don't think it's the end of the world. Ideally, like I said, they do get this win and they go two and one on this road trip, but it was a disappointing loss that they had against Sacramento on Friday night, but I will recap that in its entirety, as well as the Los Angeles Lakers game, which was a phenomenal game, and we will move forward. It's a tough loss, but it is what it is at the end of the day. They were missing two, two key pieces tonight, the Denver Nuggets and Michael Porter Jr. and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. So... It's always tough on a back-to-back, much less when you're missing two of your key starters. But I will recap those games and bring them to you guys rather soon. So make sure you stay tuned for that and listen to all our episodes if you have not already. And have a wonderful day and take care.